Welcome to the Backend Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser. This is the show where we discuss the art and the craft of building software and cover recent news on backend technologies. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and rate it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. With that said, let's get on on the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. everybody what is up everybody hopefully the the sound is clear everything is good can you hear me really clear so yeah look at you guys how are you all doing today i'm drinking uh, coffee cafe kahwa, and uh, it is it is colombian beans so i have a subscription with this company called trade they send me uh, new beans every week and i get to taste new coffee from around the world every single week which i absolutely adore and love this is awesome so this is by far it's my favorite i forgot its name to be honest like again it's it's in my instagram if you're interested but it's really good because this way it's like it's a micro roasting kind of a thing where they roast the beans very recently and i just getting shipped and it takes like what a day to ship so i get it like almost a day or two day roasted which is awesome how's everybody doing how, how are you guys doing how, how how's your weekend so far and do you like this live stream i'm trying i i saw some of the comments that say uh Hussein, can you do this uh, every week i'm trying hopefully uh if circumstances uh, allowed it i'm gonna do it every single week that's my goal and uh, to pick a topic uh, to pick a theme every single week and just talk about that theme but not necessarily stay within the edges of that theme per se you guys ask wonderful questions so we might just slip into these questions Guys, I love you. I love you so much. Everybody, welcome. Welcome to a live stream Saturday. And this is, a, as I said before, we, we basically pick a, pick a topic and then discuss this topic. We don't have to be within the, the confine of this topic, obviously. But definitely, we can a little bit steer left steer right but we'll keep it so that's how we start i start talking about uh, 
ramble about WebSockets and then we dive deep into WebSockets Secure. I have actually an agenda right here on my phone. I'm going to talk about WebSockets in general, then WebSockets Secure, which is WSS. Then I'm going to talk about WebSocket on HTTP2 and then WebSocket Scaling. And I will see your questions. You guys have great questions asking me. And some of the questions I literally don't have answers to. Some questions are really, really challenging. Some questions are, are, are just uh, kind of tweak my curiosity. I, I love all of them. So keep them coming. Beautiful Beirut, people from Beirut here. Uh, I, I, I practically lived in Beirut a lot of time when I used to work in Khatib uh, Alami back in Bahrain. So I used to go back and forth to Beirut as well. Beautiful country. France, Lille. I've never been to Lille in France. I went to Paris. I've been to Belgium. I love Belgium. Um, nice. Hello, hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. So I try to uh, uh, convoluted big question, large questions. I'll try to leave it to the end. So how about we get started, guys? What time is it now? It is 9.06. So guys, let me know if you like uh, the live chat on the side. Uh, is it is it annoying? Do you find it annoying to have the live stream the same video? Let me know. Uh, it's an experiment. I'm not guaranteeing that I'm going to have... Uh, let this be there all the time but let me know do you like having the chat in the video itself or you just no it's annoying we just wanted to look at your ugly face let me know in the chat okay all right no it's looking good okay all right all right Wasim. thank you thank you guys all right it's fine. Okay, people love it. Thanks, Ramon. Thanks, Jitin. Thank you, guys. How about we get started, guys? How about we get started? So, WebSockets. Guys, I'd like always, before I start discussing anything, um, before I discuss anything, I like to ask the question of that thing that we're going to discuss, that technology... Is that technology necessarily, and why was it existing to begin with? Always, this is a very healthy question to ask. Because, okay, wh why do we have WebSockets, right? So it solves a problem, obviously, right? Otherwise, why do we, we jump into something that we don't know why it exists? So asking a why is a very, very interesting question to, to kind of weed out technologies that don't make sense or just not for you basically so it's like, oh this why is basically oh that doesn't work for me and that's not what i want right so uh, i'm gonna i don't know i'm gonna do something else right that's not that's not necessarily for me so yeah that's the first question and that as always in my channel i'm gonna ask why does web sockets exist the problem here is we have to go through the context of the web. What is the web, right? Which is the HTTP protocol, the hypertext transfer protocol, where, where it was based on resources. You make a request to a resource, that's an HTML page, that's a JavaScript file, that's a CSS, and then you pull that file and then you have that resource and you do whatever you want with that resource. So that's a, so a request response 
system. It's a request response protocol. It's beautiful. However, some use cases where where you need bidirectional communication. That means it's not the client doesn't necessarily have to send a request to expect a, an answer from the server. It's just the server randomly would 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 push information to the client without the client actually requesting it. There are use cases like that. Examples, notifications, right? Notifications is, is, is something that happens on the server and the client get notified. That's, that's called push, right? So the server is actually sending information to the client. And you might say, how? Is just send it through the air? No, there must be an existing connection between the client and the server, pre-existing connection for the server to send this information back to the client, unless you're using it with connectionless protocols such as UDP, right? So that's one use case, server to client. And the other use case is that the, the client will send information to the server, but the client is not really anticipating any response per se. Logging is a good example, right? You send a log, you want to write a log to the server, but you don't really need to establish uh, a response, which, which is costly for the server to build the response and ship it back to the client, right? Or, 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 or an acknowledgement. You just say, hey, send it, and then if it, if it writes, let me know. Or, or don't, doesn't, not necessary. So, so one-way client on this side, and the other way is like server-side only. And the, the, the final one is bidirectional. Both client, server, server, client, is in a not in, 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 a, in not in, a, in not, uh, what's the word? It's not a coherent way, right? It's not have to be like, oh, client have to send a confirmation to the server, not a server to respond. It's just random. Right, we want a bidirectional. That's what's called a bidirectional information, bidirectional communication. So, if you think about it a little bit, chatting is kind of like that. Chatting. If I want to build a chatting system, right? It's just if when someone sent me a chat, it's just the server will push information to me directly, right? Woo. There's, here's a chat, yeah, right? And you might say, Hussein, I don't really need a bidirectional system or protocol to build a chat, right? You might say, well, how? Well, I can send a request. Do I have a chat? 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 And then server says, nope, nope, nope. Ah, yes, someone just sent you something. Uh, that's called polling, right? So you say, hey, do I have a message? Do I have a message? Outlook did it for, for years like this, right, From, to check email. How do you check email? Hey, do I have a message? 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 Do I... Okay, I have to stop. <laughs> so, so that's the idea, right? Just like you keep polling for information, and that's costly, right? Because... How often you're going to pull information 
wasting network bandwidth, wasting server bandwidth, wasting CPU power to query, not CPU power, wasting CPU to actually build a packet, wasting database utilization to query that database to find out that you don't have a message, that's costly. So, in a nutshell, we need a bidirectional communication. And so the next concept that comes to your mind is just, wait a second. How bidirectional protocol, we have one already, Hussein. Why do we need another one? You might say, what is it? Well, TCP is a bidirectional protocol. Why do we need something else? Let's just use it. This is what makes you a good engineer, questioning everything. People are f- will be afraid of you if you question everything because it's like, oh, shit, this guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> because you can't, they cannot just dismiss that, says, oh, no, TCP not, doesn't work for us. Why? Why doesn't work? Let's think about it, right? TCP is a bidirectional protocol. Right? If you establish a communication, if, if you establish a connection between a client and a server, then you can just send packets either way. Who cares? Because the server will have a little bit of a sequence and this client will have a little bit of a sequence and then you, they can exchange information, right? They know where everyone starts, so you can use it. So why didn't we use TCP, raw TCP on the web? And I don't have a 100% answer for you guys, but my guess is for to build a standard. TCP is, is very, very, very low level. And it could be dangerous if you have exposed it to the browser, which is what's what we're doing. WebSockets is exposed to the browser. Right? We're building a, a standard for the web. And, and once we build a standard, everybody's going to get it. Browsers... TVs, Rucos, I don't know, uh, phones, fridges. This is a standard. Everybody's going to build it. So we're going to be careful of the security flaws that this happened. So someone, uh, Ahmed, says, like, TCP handshake, slowing things down. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. It, 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 slowing, TCP handshake is, is slow, but if, if you think about it, WebSockets actually uses TCP, and we're going to get to that, All right? There is no escape of the TCP. My, my point with using TCP as a bidirectional communication with chat is not wrong. You can use it to build a chatting system, but it depends who, who are your clients. You have to build a custom client from scratch, right? Because you can't expose TCP. And that's the, the problem. That's the, the mistake Chrome is doing, actually. They are exposing raw TCP, in browsers, I talked about that, I believe, in one of my videos. I think it's a mistake. I get how exciting this is for us in Geneva. We have low-level TCP. We can, do, we can connect to anything because that I, can, I can write my own client to talk to any TCP client. Think about it, guys. I can talk to a Postgres database because that's TCP. I can talk to an Oracle database. That's TCP. I can talk to MongoDB database. That's TCP. I mean, Mongo, does, it, does it expose the HTTP protocol? I don't think it does. 
but CouchDB does already expose HTTP. But I can talk to anyone who speaks TCP, which is pretty much everything in the world, right? Everyone. You want, you want to build a client server, everyone speaks TCP. So why don't we expose it? The answer is, in short, it's security reasons. Let me fix my hair and a little bit take a sip. Why security reasons? Because, because if you give me low-level access to CCP, then I can essentially do flood attacks, send flood attacks. Right, because like I can, I can try from a browser using JavaScript to to just issue a sin request and then don't respond with an acknowledgement, and then just like that, the server will keep spinning, spinning, waiting for a sin act, waiting for an act actually, and doesn't receive it. So you go ahead and do it over and over again, just flooding the server. So attacks will be easier. That's one attack that I can think of half opens and stuff like that. So we have to be careful. So people for the longest time said, okay, TCP will not work for us. The web community designers have changed their mind recently because they figured out a way to, to work around this limitation of TCP. And now they are exposing TCP under another name in the browsers. But regardless... We had to build something really quick and then in the early 2000s, was it? 2001, I think. That's WebSockets. We need something that is a little bit less friendly, has the features of TCP, but under our control as a web community. So we built WebSockets. We, I say we. Like, like I was with them in 2001. I was just entering university. I just, like, my first year in university was 2001, yeah. Good old days. So, yeah, that's why we built WebSockets. Right, all right. Nice. All right. We still have some some discussions going on in the chat. All right, all right. So yeah. So WebSockets was built so that because we have a standard now called HTTP, we needed to build WebSocket on top of that. We didn't we didn't need to reinvent a new handshake protocol for WebSockets. And the reason is because the routers in the middle, all the boxes in the middle already understand HTTP as long as it's unsecure, right? If it's secure, routers in the middle of the internet, they don't look at the content. But some, that's called protocol ossification. The problem with, if you, every, one of the problems that people face when they come up with a new protocol is we have, ages of routers and, and boxes in the middle that try to be too clever by half and try to understand the protocols. TLS, they try to understand TLS, they try to understand HTTP, they try to understand uh, all these protocols. And as a result, they validate these packets. So, oh, that doesn't look like an HTTP packet. Bleh, drop. So, to work around it, that's called protocol ossification. It's ossified. It's just it's just held, right? It's just in this place. You cannot tweak it. So people work around this ossification by introducing, either working with the existing protocol on top of it, like what we do with TCP, and we build security, we encrypt everything, so that the boxes in the middle says, oh, this is encrypted. We're not going to look at it. If it's encrypted, nobody's looking at it, right? 
Do you think that HTTP 2 will make WebSocket redundant in the future? Tarek said that. Uh, personally, I don't think so. Um, I, don't, I do not believe that. Unless the low-level HTTP 2 APIs are exposed to the client, then maybe... And that's just that's basically what you what you're asking for is gRPC. That's what gRPC exactly did. gRPC had access to the lower HTTP two APIs, and they started to control the streams, and they had uh, access to the bidirectional and all that stuff. That's why we can't do a gRPC natively in the browser because we do not have access to the low level HTTP streams and other thing. All we can do is just send a request, and the browser will take care of creating a stream and then send it. Uh, through this TCP connection, right? That's that that's that's uh, our limitation today. This might change in the future. I know there is a gRPC web, which is a proxy. It's not really native. It's it's something you install by your side, and then you send a request, and then it translates into a gRPC. That's a difference there. Okay, let's come back to the topic. WebSockets. So yeah, so the idea of here we we're gonna build on top of HTTP. Why? Because we don't want to get ossified. Again, when I talk about ossification, it's because of the unsecure protocol. We're talking about WS colon slash slash, the unsecure, the insecure uh, version of lab sockets, uh, which is basically port 80, usually. It doesn't have to, but that's what we, we usually run on. So, what people did when they designed WebSockets, okay. I want to establish a WebSocket connection. What should I do? What should I do? It says, sure, let's do it this way. Just the act, try, and I'm talking about a normal client, right? Try to send an, an HTTP GET request with an upgrade header. Tell us that you want to upgrade this connection to WebSocket. So what will happen here is the GET request will go through the first thing is, oh, you want to establish an, you want to send an HTTP GET request. That's just a normal GET request, as far as we know, right? So first thing we do, well, this is HTTP 1.1, so let's establish a TCP connection. So what we do is send server, respond back with send ACK, and then the server, the client will say, ACK, okay, I have a TCP connection now. Next step, send that GET request. Assuming no, no TLS now, right? No security. I'm going to send that GET request. If the server receives that GET request and says, oh, that's a normal GET request, but it's not asking us to fetch anything. It's asking us to upgrade the existing connection, just like asking us to keep the connection alive with the keep alive header, right? It says, oh, okay, I'm going to keep this connection alive because you told me to. There is a header. Keep alive is always getting sent, by the way, these days. And even if it's not, I think it's just the default now. It's true. We're going to keep the connection alive. Why? Because we talked about in the previous live stream and many videos in my channel, HTTP 1.0 was closing every TCP connection after a request for some reason to save in memory, which we don't have a problem anymore with memory. <laughs> so they were sacrificing the CPU usage for memory uh, by closing and opening connection. And they didn't have a lot of resources. We receive, The server receives the upgrade request. It says, okay. I like what you want to do here. I see you want to upgrade to WebSockets. What is this? Do I support this? If the server actually supports what is that, and you can, you can build 
an express web server that listens to this git request and you can see it you can say oh you want to do a websocket that's a normal git request you can actually capture that request with every websocket connection request and then if you get that if you understand what to do with it in your node.js application on your or in your python app or if you have an actual web server that supports websockets then you're going to take that tcp connection says okay from now on this thing is hijacked. This TCP connection where we send stuff on top of is hijacked. That's it. We're not going to use it for anything else. So the server says, okay, I upgraded. I forgot what's that. I think it's called 101. HTTP 101. Let me Google it a little bit. HTTP code 101. I think it's called switching protocol, something like that. Yep, switching protocol, code 101. And what it does is basically says, hey, I agree, let's switch protocol. And then from now on, the client and the server, which they are both aware of the TCP connection that they created, the, the client might not be aware of it because it's a browser, for example, so they don't have access to that raw socket to, to work with. Now, they actually do through the WebSocket API. Now, the WebSocket, you can start to initialize the event, says, okay, if I receive a message, call this callback method. If you receive a, a close out, a close message, call this function. If you receive, a, a, I don't know, an open, call this method and so on, right? And you have the same exact event on the server. So these events becomes an events now. When a message comes up, this function is called. When a message comes up, this function is called. So now we have a bi-directional WebSocket connection. What, how does it work though? Now, if you send anything, garbage, doesn't have to have HTTP content, any, doesn't have to follow the HTTP protocol. You, you're, you're, you're tunneled now. You, you can send whatever you want. It's just content, right? And the, the routers in the middle will not even interfere with you because they say, oh, this is, this is just a content to us, right? Some, some proxies have problems with this when it, when it's uh, when it's unsecured tries to understand the websocket protocol and fail to but every message you send with a websocket message gets padded with its own headers and its own uh, values and its own length message it has its own protocol essentially that's the trick here and that's how we build websockets and as, 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 as we go through this stuff, WebSockets become more popular because it's really, really easy to set up and it's really, really easy to build. It's really, really powerful concept. I love it. Let's take a break a little bit, read the chat, and then jump to the second point. If you have any questions on WebSockets, anything at all, just throw it in the chat and let's have some fun. Next, we're going to jump into WebSocket Secure after this little bit short break. John Lavelle. Hussein also love this lecture style. There are the things we don't think about every day. Exactly, right? Uh, we don't think about these things that we take things, these things for granted. Yeah, it's just like hey, how, how HTTP work. And once you understand how they work, you really appreciate it when in your code, you start a loop and you start a new HTTP client and you close the HTTP client in the loop sending requests. I've did this mistake. 
previously says, oh, that oh that sounds good. Let me create a new client, HTTP client, which is basically sending a request, and then send the request and then close. And I'm do, I was doing it in a loop. I don't know what I was, I forgot. I was doing it in a loop 10,000 times. That is extremely bad. <laughs> Why? If you don't know what is done, which, which I didn't back then, right? I was like, yeah, it was closed and open, and you might not feel the performance, but why are you doing this? That's a bad idea because you're almost establishing a TCP connection and then close it, right? And not all, there's an overhead of HTTP headers as well, right? So the go open, close, open, close, open, close. So the keep alive header is useless in that case because you're physically destroying the object that is the client. I see you like databases. Check FaunaDB. <laughs> Funny, I was reading this, uh, Edward. I was reading about FaunaDB today. I read, I, I heard about FaunaDB, what, I was like two years ago. I just, I like what they're going with this, but I just don't like how it is marketed, to be honest. It's just like, hey, do you use Postgres? Do you use Mongo? Throw everything. This is the best database ever. That's exactly what they say. They, they say it combines the perfect thing between SQL and NoSQL and then no, no limitation at all. How? How can you not have any limitation? Once you read a little bit, little bit through the lines, you see, okay, you guys are, are right, try to distribute the rights, but you guys are slow. And, and plus, you're not open source. You're on a cloud. So I have no idea how you built this. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much pre-judging uh, this technology before I tried it, but I, I'd like to learn more about the underlying technology about it. And, and I think they are, they are open. Evan is, I think, the author of the database. They are open of talking about that. But the idea is that, oh, you don't need anything else. You don't need relational. You don't need NoSQL. Is, is, is a little bit shady to me. Like Just like, okay, really? You're good for everything? Really? Really? I really doubt it. I don't know. I, you might, it might be, it might be, but I will really doubt it that it's a database that's good for everything and throw everything that you have. Guys, Postgres, you've been writing this stupid database of yours for 20 years. I just built this for two years. This is going to replace all your workload. What? What are you talking about? You just throw every work that people have done. MongoDB had done a great job with, with scalability and, and Postgres have done a great job with that. You cannot minimize that. That's, that's how I see it marketed. It's just for everything. It might be me. I'm sorry, but I think this is a little bit my. That's my opinion about <laughs> FaunaDB. I still need to read more about it and I to give you a proper opinion. But that's my initial thoughts about Fauna. Why they not use directly server sent event? Server sent event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I forgot to mention this. A lot of people jump to WebSockets. Guys, you get you're gonna think about this, right? Engineers are very, very creative people, and they are extremely impatient, right? If you can't fix, you want to fix a problem right now, you're not going to wait for a solution. You're going to build it yourself. And that's what people did. So people wanted a bidirectional chat They web, where they built WebSocket. But people who only wanted the server to notify them of the logs that is being emitted... They didn't really need WebSocket. It's, I don't know if it's an, I'm going to qualify it as an overkill. They just want the server to emit information to them without them requesting anything. 
that's just server sent event and server sent event is nothing fancy but an http protocol it is a request that has been it's it's <laughs> server sent event is very simple and very overrated to be honest the the word is keeps you like i don't know when you read oh server sent event what the heck is this it feels it feels intimidating but it's it's nothing but a request and a response that is being funneled to you that's right it's it's you send a request and the server doesn't immediately send a response that this is my final response it sends a chunks of responses forever it's as if you're making a request and you never fully receive the response you you see what i'm saying the idea here is when you when you send a request and the server writes back a response what does that mean the server says okay i'm gonna i received a git request simple git request git slash what does that mean okay it means means uh, this string that says git slash and cookies and and keep alive is gonna be chunked into a big string and then packed into tcp packet and then sent and each TCP packet that I received, acknowledge, 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 acknowledge. I received the full Git request. And now, acknowledge, acknowledge. I, I now have a knowledge of what you sent me. Now, this is a request. Now, the server, when it responds, it says, okay, you want Git slash. That's an index.html. So let me read the content of index.html. That's a huge HTML file. And obviously, I'm not going to write it all and says, okay, this is done. You break it into TCP packets. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. And say, you write... TCP packet number one. I don't know. This is HTML tag, but buddy and ugh, the beginning of the body. And then you write it. And then you send the second packet. And then you say, ugh, you send the, you write, you start writing. That doesn't mean your response is done. Your response is still being transmitted to the server, to the client. Once you're done, the server sends something called the end, the end response. That means, okay, this is my response finalized, done. Poof, since I think it's a new line or something like that. It's two new lines. In HTTP2, it's a different header. In HTTP1, it's actually literally a new line or double new line, something like that. And uh, yeah, and that's what, how to end the response. Server sent events basically never ends the response. It's as simple as this. It never ends the response. You keep sending forever. The server keeps sending forever. So the client will keep waiting. Okay, I just got it. I just got it. That's why client timeouts are very important in server sent event because you shouldn't terminate the collection if the, if the server didn't receive completely the response in I don't know how many seconds. And be careful with using server sent event with proxies because proxies have timeouts all over the place. It's like, okay, I received the client timeout here and I sent the request, but the server didn't respond to me fully. Some like Node.js, I think, and Nginx have specific timeouts. If the server didn't respond with respond, when I say respond, actual physical request response, then we're going to terminate the connection. That's bad. Binary TCP. I don't know what's that. I thought TCP is always binary. Signaling best practices, architecture, and best frameworks. Hmm. How secure is WebSocket? We're going to discuss now. Next. Thank you for the value that you're constantly proving. Keep keep going. Purchase two courses of yours this week. Oh, thank you so much for the support. I appreciate you. Everyone who oh, who gets my courses on Udemy, really appreciate it. I appreciate every 
one who are members of this channel, right? By the way, you get, uh, members of this channel gets my Udemy courses for free. That's, that's just something I provide. Well, as long as the Udemy rules, right? I have like three days to provide a coupon and only three coupons a month. So sometimes I have limitation. So it's like, like now in October, I cannot create any more coupons. Oh, stupid rules. Maybe I'll, I'll go into my own um, platform. Is it heavy resource consuming? What is? Uh, is it WebSocket? I'm not sure what you're referring to, Ahmed. This message is probably sent over a WebSocket. Ah, I don't know. I think, um, I think the live streaming is using UDP, which is perhaps, knowing this is a Chrome, I'm using Chrome, probably YouTube is using Quick, which is built on top of UDP. Well, they're using HTTP3, the HTTP3 Chrome version, Google's version of HTTP3, not the, not the I, IETF version. They are two versions of HTTP3. It's a mess. HTTP3 is a mess right now, right? So it's so like trying to consolidate the changes because Google built HTTP3 quick first and then they shipped it to the AI Internet Engineer Task Force to make it standard and now they are diverging and now they are converging again. Yeah, UDP, because uh, because uh, live streaming, if you, if you have a lot of content coming, obviously you need to secure it on the both back end with encryption. But once you do, you don't really need to acknowledge every single packet. You you will you will you will live with the uh, with the with the fact that some packets will get destroyed in the internet. And you'll try to repair it on the on the back end as much as possible. So you can just avoid the acknowledgement. I think that's that's mainly it. I saying, what about WebSocket sub protocols? Sub protocols? Oh, 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 that's a good question, Abdurrahman. Thank you. Uh, so, WebSocket, there is that is that is a genius question. I forgot completely about it. So, the WebSocket protocol, when you do the upgrade, you can specify a sub protocol. Uh, I think tag which says, okay, I want to use the the chatting feature or the gaming feature or the I don't know, the logging feature. And these are just strings that you can use. And the backend says, okay, this client came from a mobile phone and want to, for example, chat via mobile. So you have a specific backend logic that, that you can derive for that particular, and, uh, particular uh, client, right? So that for efficiency reason, for example, gonna, you're going to compress the, I don't know, the, the, the content, right? Whereas if someone is from the desktop, you can you can sh- uh, you can you can serve them the raw content without compressing, so they they are they getting it in complete good, better quality, something like that, right? So so that's a, just an example. How do you do it? It's, it's very easy. In the get request that you specify the upgrade request, you say, okay, I want to I want to support sub protocol mobile slash chat, right? It's just a string. In the back end, you look for chat slash string. Oh, the, and or mobile, and then you do something with it. It's just an F statement, right? That's what sub protocols for. I I believe, yeah. Nice, 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 nice. Is there any WebSocket error like HTTP? That's a good question. I'm not sure to be honest. I don't think so, right? Because it's just the the errors that happen. Like, what kind of errors were you expecting? Right? It's just it's it's a it's a wild wild west protocol. 
because you can send whatever you want. It's not like you're asking for a resource and the resource doesn't exist, thus returning a 404, or you're unauthorized to to access a resource and you get a what is a 403. No, not like that, right? I don't think so. You can build your own error code. Error error management is is a complete different beast when it comes to this protocol. HTTP is the only one who got it right, I think. GRPC is, uh, is struggling with error management. GraphQL is struggling with error management. Like, how do I know if this is an error or not, right? Yeah. Message formats for WebSockets. You can use any message format. That's the beauty of the WebSocket. That's a good question also. You can just shove it as a binary and then send it. Because, like, take JSON, right? JSON is, an, is, an, is, a, is a JavaScript object notation, which is the, how JavaScript look at it. But if you convert it into a string, it's just a string, right? And then if you convert a string into a binary, that's just what? Um, the binary, 100. The curly braces is 100, whatever. And that's, it becomes big, obviously, right? And then you shove that binary into the WebSocket and you ship it. How we disconnect WebSocket connection if it's not required? Ooh, that's a good question. That Discord actually is doing something like that, right? In the Discord video we did, they had two WebSocket connection. One, one for metadata exchange that is always alive, and then one for voice, right? Like I say, the voice server is about to get dis- disconnected so that they do maintenance on it. So they will close that web connection, but they still... How do you close it? Basically, you send them... Uh, a close request that's a good question i think there is a specific header in the websocket protocol that says okay close this connection i think in in, in my wireshark websocket series i discussed that google wireshark hussein nasser wiresharking websockets i did a wireshark on websocket and, and looked at the packets how it looks like it was very interesting to do that so that was fun so yeah, once you close it, then you go. You have another WebSocket. Discord have another WebSocket connection to exchange the information. Oh, let's connect through this web voice server now. Let's exchange voice information. And that's what Discord uses WebSockets to to exchange audio, right? Which is what binary. So you can do anything. YAML is better than JSON. Nope, I hate YAML. Hate is a very strong word. I dislike YAML. <laughs> let's say that. <laughs> I don't know. Some people prefer YAML. I, you saw me. I don't know, guys, if you watch my traffic video. I struggle with YAML so much. I struggle so bad with YAML. All the tabs. All the tabs, all stupid tabs. Anything that has to do with tabs versus spaces, and I have to really nail those spaces and write, I don't like. That's why I, another reason I don't like Python. It's just like you have to force me in tab versus spaces. And you might say, Hussein, you're just ancient dinosaur. Use an, use an editor. Don't use Notepad to edit Python. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Yeah, I am a dinosaur when it comes to this thing. <laughs> sorry. Card key. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I know you like YAML. <laughs> Hi, Hussein. Please answer my question. My app exposes some REST API in one port. Can I do WebSocket communication on the same port? Ooh, that's a good question. So, if you listen to a port, that's your HTTP port, and you send an HTTP request on that port, you can send an HTTP request on that port. However, think about it this way. 
you can now convert that TCP connection into a WebSocket. So that TCP connection that you just created is dedicated for WebSocket. So Vishal, Vishal, hope I pronounce your name right, said, asked the question, okay, can I reuse this same port to do something else to send normal GET request? Absolutely, you should be able to. I don't see a reason why not, because that's just a, a TCP connection that you lost with, on, on, as a result of WebSocket, because you cannot use that same TCP connection to send normal GET request anymore. That's done, right? So what you do is just establish a new TCP connection with the same port. You can establish unlimited number, not unlimited. You can establish a lot of TCP connection on the same port from the same client, right? It's not just one connection. So establish the same TCP connection. I don't see a reason why you should listen on another port. I don't see a reason at all. Maybe I, there's something I'm missing here. But yeah, definitely you can establish a number of TCP connection. The browser is establishing a lot of TCP connection to a single port from the single client, especially when HTTP 1.1. If you have a web server... You, you communicate with that web server, the client, the browser, sometimes establish six to 10 TCP connection to the same port. That's possible. All you have to do is the, the destination IP address is, is the same, right? The destination port is the same, 80, right? That's the server and the port is 80. The, the client IP address is the same. The only change is what? Is the client random internal port that changes so if you assigned i don't know port thousand for you which is most of the time we don't see it the next one is going to be assigned 1002 byron lopez thank you for becoming a member welcome to engineer we've been live for an hour guys all right quick bathroom break I'll come back right away. Keep those good questions coming. Hello. Use a different port because of scalability. Okay. I don't know if that will help in scalability. I mean, you can still use the same port and just spin up another server with the same port. Yeah, I don't know what, how would that help scalability, Vinny. But Vinny, by the way, guys, uh, he has great contribution to, to the channel a little bit. Sometimes he has a little bit snarky comments, but I appreciate his comments a lot. He has good good uh, feedback on all of my videos, and he helps the community. So thank you, Mr. Vinny142. What would you suggest either to use Layer 7 or Layer 4? Load balancer or load balancing WebSocket used for streaming media clients. Um, welcome to that question, like because uh, that's kind of and under the scaling concept on our umbrella under my umbrella ella ella of WebSocket it. You dare to say that with that nose. Hey, <laughs> I love my nose. All right. So how about we discuss what's the next topic? 
<laughs> that was by the way just one bullet point one bullet point web socket took one hour right that's why i get a lot of comments i was like hey hussein you take one hour to explain something that could be said in two minutes i don't know how you do it but you suck i was like thank you so much for your feedback but that's i talk a lot i don't know what to say <laughs> yeah i don't do you like long videos guys or short videos let me know so let's just a little bit spice it up before we jump. Short video or long videos? What do you got? So I don't bombard you with information. You say we need to relax. And the Colombian coffee is really good, guys. Any, anybody from Colombia here? No? I like you, bro, from Iraq. Robbie, thank you. Well, WebSocket without, without OpenBRC cannot be used for media streaming. What's the protocol being used for video streaming? I think it's called a real-time protocol, RTP. I need to make a video about it. I still don't, uh, I didn't research it, but I think. Uh, <laughs> put your videos on 2x speed. <laughs> being cool that's very cash money long long i like long long videos everybody like the long videos okay oh yeah i i try with those 60 second boy you guys hated them oh some people loved it some people absolutely hated them it's like what how can you complete a thought in 60 seconds i agree with you it's a little bit hard but it's kind of challenging like fire firebase io i don't know if you guys follow him this guy is talented in making videos the way he explained things in 100 seconds, oh my god, how the heck did you do that? In 100 seconds, he explained Nginx, and I had like a two-hour video, and I think still didn't cover anything. I mean, of course, he doesn't cover everything, but he covers the fundamentals really well, so that's attractive for a lot of people. But yeah, it's not my style. I don't like to have like 100 seconds videos, or I, my videos are generally long. How do you do load test on Socket.io? Uh, Sheikh, I don't know anything about Socket.io, unfortunately. So I can help you load balancing or load test in WebSockets, which is the same, exactly. WebSockets is, uh, is, uh, is, is, is basically is great, right? Socket.io builds a library that helps you scale WebSockets instead if you don't want to run them from scratch, right? Fireship is great. Yeah, I agree. Fireship is is awesome. His content is great. He has like he has like s massive great video editing skills and animation that uh, I will never have. <laughs> is there a formula for say uh, for NTPS to divide among servers? Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. All right, let's jump into it. Let's jump into it. The second topic is. Securing WebSocket. And that's relatively easy. Once you think about how it works, we talk about right, right? The WebSocket is built on top of HTTP. HTTP for the people from Paris. HTTP. Right. So WebSockets secure is just built on top of HTTPS. 
So that means the first Git request that you send is is just you send a Git request, but that Git request instead of using HTTP, you use HTTPS, and that basically translate. Then that that basically translate from essentially HTTPS request uh, into TCP, TLS, and the Git request. So there is another layer that is added. It's called TLS, Transport Layer Security. I talked about it many times in this channel. I talked about it for, for beginners in general. I talked about it a little bit with mathematics, which I still <laughs> I keep forgetting the math of it. It's just very, very difficult right, to remember and all stuff. And then finally, I talked about it from the Wireshark aspects of it, like how does it look like and all that stuff. So let's go through an example. If I do new WebSocket WSS colon slash slash server.com, right? Whatever. The first thing I'm going to do is get the IP address of that dang thing, right? Server.com. Get the IP address. That is DNS request. And hopefully you have just a normal DNS, not a DOH, because that's another connection to the DOH server to get secure connection and then send the request. Once you get the IP address, you establish a TCP connection. And still, we're talking TCP. That's a beautiful part, right? So the SYN, SYNAC, ACK. So we have a TCP connection. We are still not encrypted. But the client knows now it's WSS. That means it's secure, security. That means that the first thing we're going to do is establish a TLS connection after the TCP connection. So what do we do? We say, okay, client hello. Let me generate my side of the keys. Here is a client hello. I support up to TLS 1.3. I also support 1.2 if you don't, if you, if server don't support that. So the server will re receive that's okay. I, I support TLS 1.3. So let's finish up the, the handshake right there. So it's just one round trip, right? So one, two, three for the TCP and one, two for TLS 1.3. Let's assume TLS 1.3. If it's TLS 1.2, then one, two, three, four. So two round trip, four request for, for whatever four packets sent and forth that's wrong not packets it could be more than one packet it's just four round trips it could be more than that depends on how big the tls request is and once you have this now the server and the client just agreed on keys to use for encryption to encrypt this this stream right uh, to encrypt these packets and now all of a sudden the client can send the get request but before it send it takes the key that we just agreed upon and then encrypt the message and then send it and that's it everything now if you want to send hello string as a chat message in websocket the the client will encrypt it with the key that they agree upon on server and then they send it and the server will decrypt it so that's that's how it's basically done it's uh that's why you have to kind of think about it right if if you're doing, once you open a WebSocket connection, the cost is really high. There are a lot of things going on, right? TCP and TLS. I mean, it's the same thing with HTTP, right? But with WebSockets, there's an additional cost of, there's ping-ponging that WebSockets do. 
I forgot to mention that. It's like to, to make sure that the connection is alive, the clients and the server send sends like a dummy message between each other to let each other know that they are alive. I found that from the RFC and then I saw it when I Wireshark that protocol. I saw, what is this message? Ping pong. It's literally called ping pong. So it's, it's, a, it's funny when you actually understand how things work and how, how, how things look like. It's really amazing. So that's WebSocket Secure. Let's, uh, um, let's end this stream by discussing a little bit of a load balancing. I want to keep it around one hour, one hour, 15 minutes. So I can go have a little bit of breakfast, enjoy my family. And you guys can go enjoy your weekend. So scaling WebSocket is very interesting, right? Unlike scaling HTTP servers is the best and easiest approach because HTTP is stateless. That means if I'm going to send a request uh, to a server, HTTP server, get request, for example, I don't care which server lands that request and serve me so that's why it's very easy to send that get request to a reverse proxy nginx ha proxy envoy traffic anything and then that reverse proxy turns around and send it to a back-end server so it can essentially have multiple back-end server and then can easily round robin between them one by one with every request so technically what you're looking at i'm talking about layer 7 load balancing obviously here so the client Normal HTTP connection, you establish a connection between the client and the reverse proxy. So that's one TCP connection. And then you send your HTTP request on top of it. Each request, the server, the reverse proxy looks at it and says, okay, that's a request you want me to serve, right? But I need to ask a backend server. So it's configured in the reverse proxy that these are the backend server. So, okay, based on my load balancing algorithm, I can either send it to this, to this, and this. Okay, so it keeps knowledge, it keeps track of, okay, I just sent it to server one, I need to send it to server two. So it sends that request to server two and then waits for the response. That, in meanwhile, the client's still waiting. It's all synchronous, right? So the Nginx sends that request to the server two and then server two comes back with a response. That's easy because it's stateless. It's not like server one had some state that server two needed anyway. It's HTTP stateless. You're accessing resource. You're querying a database. Yeah, the state is stored in the database, but the servers are stateless in this case. The whole system is always stateful almost all the time. So now I get a request and then a response. The, the Nginx takes that response and then shove it back to the client. And that's how it works. So if, you send, if the client sends another request on the same TCP connection, that request will go to server three and so on. That's called round robin. So the Nginx will one, two, three, one, two, three. That's why in my proxy versus reverse proxy, I say the reverse proxy is, is, is basically when the client doesn't know which server is being served from. And that's true, right? You send it to the reverse proxy, you have no idea which backend server you're being served from. It's just the reverse proxy is hiding that knowledge from you. And the proxy, it's reverse. The server doesn't know the original client, right? That's how I, I like to understand it because the first time I, I heard about proxy and proxy, I was confused. So I came up with this definition and it still holds and people love it. That's my most popular video in, in this channel, by the way. 
It's funny how you, when you understand things and you try to explain the way you understand it, people can relate to that. And instead of using complicated words. And some, some, sometimes someone says, no, that's not really true because you can essentially transfer the knowledge of the client through headers like X forward to, I mean, yeah, but not really. From a layer four perspective, you still don't know who, who is the original client or because that IP address is hidden unless you're, you actually write it. That's kind of cheating. <laughs> That's a load balancing setting. Yeah. So yeah, so essentially, that's a load balancing concept. That's a good, that's how you do load balancing in HTTP. Now, WebSockets, guys. Let's translate this. How, how, how does WebSocket work in load balancing scenarios? Nginx in the middle. You have a few backends in, this, in, the, in the backend. And you have the client who wants to establish a WebSocket connection. So that's a get request upgrade and then do all this mumbo jumbo. And we have a WebSocket connection, which is a stateful thing, right? So now if I send, um, what does that mean? So now I have a WebSocket connection between the client and the Nginx. What does that mean? If I now want to, for example, send a message I have to, the Nginx has to turn around and send that message to a backend server. How does it do that? It has to establish another WebSocket between itself and these servers on the backend. So what does it do? Does it establish three WebSocket connections? So does, does it do an upgrade here, here, here? Maybe, right? That's layer seven proxy with WebSocket is, I'd never seen a successful implementation yet maybe there is I'm, I'm just not aware of it but layers of when you actually terminate this thing is very difficult to 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 do this right it's very expensive on the back end establishing three four five seven websocket connection maybe it works but let's continue with this train of thought if i send a message hello to the nginx and that and that we receive that message the websocket message now nginx will take that and if it needs to re-encrypt it, obviously it decrypts it and then re-encrypts it back and then send it as a WebSocket message to server one. And now if I send another message, it goes to server two. If you rely on some sort of state in WebSockets, and most people do rely on a state in the same server, then this will break very quickly. Because you stored information on this server, regardless on, on, on the WebSocket itself, information about, okay, where is the chat or some state. If you store in the server, then this immediately will break because, oh, the client will send information to the backend server. So that's, it could be done theoretically. I've never seen it, but you have to write your application so that it is stateless. Bear with me here. So the WebSocket protocol is stateful, but build your application so that the system is stateless and there is one state stored in the database somewhere. So every time you want to query some information, you hit uh, some state outside your server memory. It's okay to cache, but be careful of that. So what is the common implementation with WebSocket scaling? It's layer four proxy. So what does that mean? That means, and that's the easiest by any mean, and that's the most common one I saw, is HA proxy does that. I believe Nginx also does that. 
if I have a client and I say, okay, I want to establish an engine, uh, a WebSocket connection with a reverse proxy. It says, okay, let's upgrade. The WebSocket, will, uh, the, the Nginx will know, oh, you want a WebSocket connection. Wait a second. Just, just wait a minute here. I am going to assign you to this TCP, to, the, to this backend server. And that's it. We're going to start now tunneling you as a client always to this backend. So now, technically, the, the Nginx just acts like almost like just a mediator. It just forward the same get request upgrade to the backend blindly. And then the server will respond back with, okay, let's continue this connection. I, I agree. Switching protocol. The reverse proxy Nginx will just respond back. It will not look at layer 7 content. It will not attempt to understand that, oh, this is a WebSocket connection. It will not try to do any of that stuff. It's just literally a layer 4 proxying. So that means every request, every subsequent request on the same WebSocket connection to the, to the Nginx will always go to the same backend. That's the stickiness. You create the stickiness. So that's, that's safer, right? So even if you... HA proxy have this ability to start with a layer 7 proxying and immediately flips you back to a layer 4, whether you like it or not. So now you're always stuck to one backend for safety reasons. But now, as I, I speak about it, I think H layer 7 web proxying is, is doable as long as the proxy front end, not front end, the proxy back end understands how to talk web sockets on the back end. That's very critical, and a lot of, not a lot of people understand this. The, the reverse proxy, if you want to do layer 7 proxying, layer 7 gRPC, layer 7 WebSockets, you have your reverse proxy need to understand how to talk that protocol on the back end, not just front end. Front end is easy. It's just, how does, can you talk on, on TLS on the back end? Can you talk WebSockets on the back end? Do you have the client libraries and the knowledge to essentially talk gRPC on the back end. That's work for the proxy. And recently, proxy started supporting that. So when you say like, LHA proxy supported gRPC with this release, that means they, they talk about definitely layer 7 proxying, where you terminate the gRPC connection, decrypt it, look at it, make sense of it, do rules on it, and then reestablish it on the back end. And this way, you can do it to any server as long as you know what you're doing. That's very, very, very interesting. So that's basically scaling. And when you talk about scaling with this thing, man, the, every request... Now, let's go back to the same WebSocket scaling with layer 4 proxy for simplicity. So now if I establish a TCP uh, a WebSocket connection, I'm always going to be funneled to the same server. That does not mean that a next connection will always go to the same server. No, it will go to another server, but you still stuck to the same server for subsequent requests. So a new web request will go to this server. A new web socket connection will go to another server. And you always a brand new will go still do round robining to Nginx from layer four TCP sin, sin ACK, uh, perspective is going to do these these round dropping it's just bare connection and i showed that many times in my nginx video and ha proxy 
through curl actually if i do a curl i've been responsed by server one and then server two server three and so on but yeah that's that's it guys greetings from brazil siegfried Abdurrahman asks, how to load balance WebSockets when I use PopSub pattern? So, that's a very interesting question and a little bit convoluted, right? So let's separate these two together. What does that mean, separate that two together? <laughs> separate them from each other. English, Englishy is very hard. English is very hard, guys. We're trying to learn here. So, PopSub is the pattern where forget about websockets right so popsub is like i subscribe i publish to some broker and then some other consumers consume from the broker so that i am detached from the end consumer i'm not aware of the consumer and that has a, a lot of um, use cases and beautiful uh, use cases essentially because you're detached. Now you can just publish to this uh, broker. And then you can just... Uh, all the consumers will connect to the broker. Now let's come to... Let's add this with WebSockets. Web PopSub can be implemented with anything. Literally anything. WebSockets? Yeah, you can do it with WebSocket. I don't remember anyone who did that. R uh, what was the name? Was it... Is it Redis? Not Redis. I I'm, I forgot. I think I don't know. It's Uber. I forgot which which company actually used WebSocket with Redis as a pop sub system. But it doesn't matter. Just don't don't throw it technologies like Redis and, and Kafka. Just understand the first principle fundamentals. It's a pop sub system. How does it mean? You connect to a broker, and you send you a, a publish a message, and someone. Later time, they can be disconnected. Who cares? Once they communicate with the broker, they, got, they are sent the message. Now, how this message is getting delivered is a completely different story. And that's how RabbitMQ does it differently. That's how Kafka does it differently. That's how Redis does it differently. And that's how you, as an engineer, you decide what's best for you. Kafka, let's start with RabbitMQ. RabbitMQ does a push literally shoves the content in the consumer's throat says here's a message take it it just literally does that that's Robert M. Q. right it says hey you got a message take it take it take it it just literally push because it's a it's a tcp connection so you can push messages right it's it's a it's called the advanced message queue protocol but you can push messages what if the consumer is not ready to to get pushed something Right? What is what is what, what does that mean? If the consumer is not ready to to get pushed anything, right? Sometimes if the consumer is not ready to consume these messages, you just put a lot of work at, at your side, the server, to 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 have the responsibility to deliver this message, and that's very expensive, right? Sometimes it works if you have like a little bit fewer consumers, not millions of consumers. If you have like fewer consumers, push my work. Kafka did it very smartly. They did something called long polling. Think of long polling very similar to server sent events that we talked about, where you send a request and the server will not write any response back to you. It will just says, eh, 
Okay, I got you. I got you, all right. It will not respond to you. It will just wait for information to be received. Once a few bytes is received on the back end, then it gets writes. Write the results back to the server. So the client is responsible for long polling the connections, not just normal polling. Which says, "Hey, do I have a message? Nope. Do I have a message? Nope." The Kafka doesn't say nope. It just say, "Okay, let's let's ignore that client a little bit and just <laughs> just wait for the new message." Oh, we got a message. Oh, someone just made a request a few minutes ago. Let's response back. That's why where timeouts here come really become really tricky if <laughs> you have to implement timeouts really really tricky in this case uh, so I'm, I'm a little bit scared when you when it comes to long polling and sse always my first immediate thing is a like, timeout damn it timeouts <laughs> so yeah that's how kafka does it redis i believe it's also does push right so that's how you do it WebSocket, definitely you can use WebSocket with any pop subsystem i take that back you can use WebSocket in a pub subsystem, not any WebSocket. So a pub subsystem like Kafka, RabbitMQ, and Redis uses their own protocol for, for performance users because they said, hey, hey guys, this is what, this is what we think uh, is good for us. So we're going to start using that. And that's it. So that's where you, when you start authoring, when you think about how people author this, boy, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very interesting concepts hope uh, that answers the question can you explain more about sticky connections that's that's what we explain right sticky connections well well there's the concept of sticky sessions which is a higher level concept and there is a sticky connections which is a lower level concept so a sticky connection is is layer four proxying exactly the same thing right where you send you establish communication between you and the reverse proxy and the reverse proxy must always stick your connection to a single backend and only that backend why because sometimes it doesn't make sense to to flip you around why Let's say you, you have a database. You want to proxy a MySQL connection or a Postgres connection. You can't load balance that thing. It's impossible, right? Because it's, it's a stateful protocol. Postgres and MySQL, you have to always take them to the same backend, right? Unless you're sending queries, right? You're, if you're building your application in a stateless manner and you don't care which server you hit then that might work. You can do a layer four proxying as long, again, the reverse proxy understand that. But most of the time, layer four proxying or sticky connections, hey, just take me to the same server because I'm going to store stuff on that server. Let's say you're going to open a cursor on the database, right? If you open a cursor on the database and you start pulling information, you have to use sticky connection. Otherwise, your architecture suck. Why? Because you just opened a connection to the back-end server, and then you opened a, a server-side cursor I'm talking about here, right? And then you start reading the first 100 rows. And then you, I'm going to ask another question. Uh, let's say, go, give, using that cursor, give me the next 100 rows. If you were transferred by the reverse box to another server, you just lost that piece of stateful information that the, 
first server just took the hit for you to do the plan to do the query to fetch the road to build the cursor for you just so that you hit another server and do the same thing over again that's why sticky connection in this case is is very useful but if your queries are stateless in in, in a sense that i don't care um, my queries are fast i i i'm gonna fetch a row or two i'm not gonna fetch a bulk of row i'm not gonna open a cursor or anything like that so yeah that's it SQL is stateless unless you start the transaction. Oh, that's a good. Oh my God, I forgot about that one. Thanks, Vinny. Yes, if you if you are within, that's another point. If you try start a transaction, what does that mean? Thank you, Vinny. Yeah, if you start a transaction and you start flipping from different servers, that is absolutely wrong. You cannot do that. So that's another example. You start a, a cursor or you start a transaction, start a transaction and and you start querying. You better go to the same server every time right but if your sql is stateless in a that in a sense that you you it, it's a single query that starts and stops the transaction on the back end it doesn't matter which server you hit yes cursor keeps the connection open though that's correct yes yeah so it's very interesting discussion this WebSocket thing this scaling architecture and how and i'm reading a lot of news and i start uh, i'm trying to evolve my knowledge when it comes to scaling everyone does scaling differently but i try to kind of build from the fundamentals and first principle and 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 go from bottom up right instead of uh, instead of kind of pollute my ideas with 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 vague uh words like that right i try to I try to be very, very diligent when it comes to these concepts. I try to learn the fundamentals, right? Because that's why when I when I when I read about these cloud services, they throw these words: oh, scalable, uh, horizontal, whatever. Sometimes I I need I need more I need more information. I think we're gonna end it here, guys. That was fun. I think it was successful. What do you guys think? What do you guys think? Do you, should I keep doing this stuff or should I um, not do it? <laughs> Correct. So sticky connection are just to make sure that you are hitting the same client, not the same client, same server is assigned to you. Yes. So it's like sticky. And you can do stick, sticky sessions at the, at the layer seven level, right? A lot of people prefer that by, by having... Um, some sort of a cookie or sometimes of a session ID that says, okay, I want every request to go to always this, this, to this server. Sometimes the people do it for hacky reasons because they couldn't figure out why their application is failing. They do a sticky session. That's, I am against that kind of sticky sessions. Some people use a sticky session for really good reasons. They say, oh, I need my request to go to the same server for for these particular sets of requests because i don't know i'm building a game and all my clients i want them to be in the same server for locality reasons so that performance is over the top i cannot afford stateless in this case so all requests that comes with this tag or this id goes to the same server some people do this but a lot of people from what i saw from my professional experience for the past 15 15 years people people are just doing sticky session because their application fails and they have no idea with why it's failing <laughs> so they say oh okay let's just stick it to the same server 
but their application on the backend was stateful because it's just they're relying on some server or some variable and that variable when you hit another server doesn't exist so ugh, application crashes so yeah i'm not saying stateful applications are bad when you really want to build an application understand why you're building it this way and understand the stickiness right sticky is another word that just thrown around please keep doing it please okay all right we'll keep we'll keep doing it stream once a week uh i'll try i'll try to do this uh weekly i like saturdays it's a weekend and i think everybody this is a good time right what do you guys think about the time 9 uh, a.m pacific so guys uh some 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 people are uh you some people are the evening early evening I think we're good with everybody. They are good at the time. It's a weekend, so people, if, even if they stay a little bit, I think they're good. I'm going to try to make it a, an hour and a half, hour maximum, hour and a half like that. But yeah, I really, really, really appreciate you. Hi, Sam. Discovered your channel a while ago. Beautiful content. Fan from India. Thank you so much, Damn, I love it. Goddamn. I love that name. <laughs> damn. damn. I love it. Yeah. Any idea for next week? Uh, keep throwing a tweet at me, H-N-A-S-R, for ideas. Probably I'm going to talk about... There is an idea. Maybe databases. So can we We can gonna piss some people off. Because <laughs> I'm not an expert in database. I, gotta, I, gotta, I, 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 I try to admit as much as possible that I'm not an expert in anything. I just, uh, I'm kind of, a, I like to learn these concepts. I've been working with a lot of databases, but I don't consider myself an expert. So people like uh, Vinny and others, I have a lot of people, Richard, on my channel, they, they give me great database advices and say something that I can't think of. So maybe about databases, we'll see, we'll see. Love you from Israel. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Time series. Oh, that's fancy. I'm not that fancy. Nginx is good, yeah. Midnight for time. Oh, that's late. I'm sorry. It's very late for you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely keep it up, guys. We'll definitely keep it up. Oh, is it a good channel? We'll definitely we'll check it out. God damn. We'll check the content. Yeah, definitely. Rethink DB in the future. Um, never heard of this database. But yeah. We'll see. We'll definitely see, guys. This is a, this is a very interesting. We have we have a beautiful community over here. Uh, I love everybody. And then the idea of just my comment section, you know, just like the chat, the the, the challenges, the, the problems being being uh, addressed. That's just the great questions in general. It's just fascinating. It gives me a lot of ideas for content in the in the future. I just actually recorded a video, guys, for you. Um, it's called Being Overwhelmed in Software Engineering. Maybe I'll ship it tomorrow. I'll publish it tomorrow. It's just the idea of how software engineering is an overwhelming field. For Whether we are an advanced expert in software engineer, uh, adept, you battle scarred in software engineering, or you're a junior or just started, you're going to feel the same thing. And people, you guys will agree with me on this one, I think. Because it's a, it's, it's a very exhausting field. Because it's creative. And there's a lot of tools being built every day to solve certain problems. And because engineers, us, are 
are a little bit arrogant if you think about it we don't consider we don't consider uh, looking at other solutions before building our own we just build a new one and we end up having a little bit of duplicate tools that solves the same problem or solves a little bit different problems right so that's why i'm a little bit confused with what's going on in the cloud there's like a database service every single day for some reason it's like i don't know it's like every database is like oh this is the database that solves i don't know graph i mean yeah graph database is a good idea but there's like there's one database i forgot what's name it solves like dna specific queries like for the gene genome Maybe I didn't work with genes, but maybe you're going to need a new special database that solves genes, especially with the uh, 23andMe and, and now these services that takes your DNA and store, uh, store this information and then tries to uh, maybe querying is a little bit different. You cannot store it in Tabular or, or a schemaless. You need a particular format. I'm just fascinated about the whole thing. All right, guys, I'm going to see you in the next one. That's our time for today. I appreciate you. Love you so much. Going to see you hopefully next week. If I can make it, I'll, I'll tell you basically before a day. Guys, what did you like about the scheduling? I, I scheduled it a day before. I don't know if you guys like having a scheduled like a stream like this showing, hey, it will be available in 16 hours, 15 hours. I don't know. It's just kind of... A little bit too much, or do you want me just to go live at 9 a.m.? Let me know. You want, you want this scheduling, the same thing I did now? You find it helpful, you get reminded. Or you just uh, want to uh, go live when, like, five, 15 minutes before the time. So I drum say, schedule it. It would be helpful. Okay, so one day before, schedule it. So you, you guys like this scheduling. So you don't mind uh, having, <laughs> having like a, a, a stream that is not, you cannot watch it right away because I, sometimes i get frustrated when i go uh, i get a, prompted a video and say oh available in twenty three thousand hours i was like what i thought you, why did you <laughs> no man don't do the reminder okay everybody likes the reminder okay all right guys appreciate you so much i love you i'm gonna see you in the next one you guys stay awesome goodbye au revoir Bye bye. Ma'assalama. How to say it in German? I don't know. I don't know German. But yeah, bye. Goodbye, guys. Gonna see you in the next one. You guys stay awesome. Uh, uh, stay tuned for a lot. We have a lot of content coming in this channel. And goodbye. Tata in Hindi. <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye bye, guys. Yalla. Bye.